4: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. It is the Lombardi Line here from VSIN, the sports betting network. We are presented by BetMGM. We welcome you in South Point Sportsbook Studio here on a Wednesday. Morning on the West Coast, noon on the East Coast. I'm Ben Wilson, filling in for Patrick Maher, the vacationing Patrick Maher, a guy who's just back from vacation, filling in for Michael Lombardi today. He really needs no introduction, but we'll introduce him anyway. Mike Pritchard. What's up, Pritch? Ben, how are you today? Oh, I'm good. We're, we're back in the saddle well, we together. We are. Last, so the last time we were here, we were just telling Matt Santos, our, our producer, this. Mm-hmm. Last time you and I were on the desk together, it was for our point spread Sunday show during the NFL season. And it was at 5 a.m., West Coast time, but we were watching a London game, (laughs) Jets-Falcons. And at approximately 6:39 a.m. Pacific time, I was yelling vociferously at the TV at Tony Corrente for a terrible roughing the passer right. call, and I then had to, you know, check re- reassess my life. Decisions. The fact
5: that you timestamped that, I'm highly
4: impressed by you. It, right was, now. A, it was one of those top, those five <laughs> lowest moments of my NFL <laughs> viewing life where, I loved your reaction. Okay, fourth and 26 as a kid was my low. As a, <laughs> okay. as a Packer right, fan, right. that was my low. I hid in the closet and didn't want ever, <laughs> did not want to come out. Anyway, we got a lot to discuss on the show today because Mike Pritchard, he's He's back for his uh, his little soirée, little vacation. A lot of uh, some NFL topics to hit on today. We'll go into uh, some of our thoughts on maybe uh, divisional breakdowns here. We'll talk some uh, some of the uh, NFC divisions today. We also will have Lufa Fidicario to talk. Little UFC. There is a fight night this weekend, and we'll get his thoughts on how he breaks down his NFL handicapping this time of year. We're sixty-five days out from opening night in the NFL, and also the lead up to the Open Championship continues in earnest this week. Scottish Open beginning tomorrow. Big event across the pond. Most of the guys you'll see next week at St Andrews will be participating, and so Stephen Hennessy from Golf Digest, always an outstanding guest to have to talk some golf. He will join us. A number of topics we can hit with Stephen. One of the things that happened while you were away, though, Pritch, was something that uh, it hits very close to home for you Mm -hmm. as a member of the Colorado Athletics Hall of Fame, Mike Pritchard, who those for those who don't know, he won a national title with the Buffs, but the Pac-12 is now kind of in disarray as we uh, as we sit and now coming out of the Fourth of July weekend where we at least had a couple of days here for this to calm down. There's not really any immediate betting implications, but long term, there certainly could be here. And I guess, to, so first to start, we see the news right before the 4th, USC, UCLA, they announce they're out. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to the Big Ten. On a scale of 1 to 10, and I know you're very involved still with on the Pac-12 Legends Committee, just how
5: blindsided was the Pac-12 by this? Or was this at all a, a foreseeable kind of development? Here? I mean, it was not foreseeable by any means, Ben. I, I think uh, just recently we had meetings in terms of how to galvanize and how to move the conference forward. Uh, Looking forward to the chance of a new media rights agreement uh, Mm -hmm. that was on the horizon. Uh, We got new coaches within the conference that was going to bring excitement. Uh, The chance to keep kids in Southern California or in the Rocky Mountain region or in the Pacific Northwest, uh, that was something that we were starting to get excited about. So here you go with athletic directors Uh, Mike Bone in particular Mm -hmm. with SC, and uh, you think about UCLA and their need for cash right now. uh, It made sense for them from a business standpoint, but that's what we're dealing with as betters and as people that are fans of college football, we're dealing with the business of college football right now. I think the curtain has been pulled back and their model uh, is, is exposed. Uh, And so now you're seeing these schools, these institutions uh, look at situations that's going to be advantageous for them business-wise. And that's why you have SC, uh, UCLA going to the Big Ten, at least committed to go to the Big Ten. And now, right now, you you have the Pac-12 scrambling uh, to negotiate a new media rights deal. It was so detrimental, Ben. I cannot tell you the last commissioner president that we had and how bad that deal was Mm -hmm. uh, with no direct TV exposure and uh, really no exposure from the Pac-12 standpoint and any media standpoint. Uh, And then on top of that, just how long the deal was and how non-competitive it was going to be versus the Big Ten and also the SEC. So it's, it's not surprising after the fact that SC and UCLA moves, uh, but it is uh, damaging to the Pac-12 conference. Right.
4: I think when you phrase it like that in the context of the media rights, and that is really the driving force for a lot of these realignment discussions, right. because it was not where it should have been for the Pac-12 Things like this were eventually bound to happen. We just didn't think it would happen like right here, right now, sure, sure. With, with USC and UCLA. I know we'd we look to so Dennis Dodd from CBS. He covers a lot of the college football uh, happenings, especially off the field. He was reporting yesterday they will Pac-12 will begin an exclusive 30-day negotiation window with ESPN and Fox. They're trying to salvage something. But I think, but a lot of people are sitting there and they say, "Wait, we we already we watch Pac-12 games on ESPN and Fox. What's the big What's the big deal here?" At peop- I think the casual people don't really understand, right? There are there are tiers here, there mm-hmm. are levels. Right. Like when I called games for Fox for Pac-12, like our games were starting on the Fox Business Network and then switched in progress to FS1. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen if you're the Ohio State Michigan. Like you are given prime time, you know, first dibs, and you're not, you know, Pac-12. Like they're following NASCAR right now. Like that's just kind of the reality. So it goes to show where, where this goes forward. And it's kind of been the, the point too of, cause we've seen these, these teams leaving the big 12 for the sec. We now see teams leave the pac 12 for the big 10. It's funny. Cause you played at Colorado back when they were a member of what is now the big 12 mm-hmm. big eight back then. Right. And now you're part of still the, the alumni staff at Colorado. Now as a part of the pac 12, uh, if you were handicapping it, so to speak, who do you think has more leverage between pac 12, big 12 right now, as it relates to, cause it seems like everything we've read on the reporting each conference right now is kind of in a tug of war with the other. They're looking to see which members of those fellow institutions uh, can we take to right. bolster our own conference. Who would you give the edge to as far
5: as those two conferences? Well, right here's now? where it gets very exciting from a betting standpoint, because who would I give the edge to? I would say that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if some other teams do not get invited to the Big 10, because you have to get invited now. All right? Like SC, uh, UCLA, that was a package deal. There wasn't really an, an invitation, Right. Uh, We're interested in the Big Ten. Okay, you guys are welcome, right? That's how that played out. Uh, But the remaining teams in the Pac-12 certainly are going to have to be invited. Uh, I'm hearing rumblings, and you're seeing rumblings about ACC, uh, Pac-12 alliance, that kind of thing, which they did have an alliance between three conferences, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. That blew up. Uh, So so now you have the Big 12. A lot of rumblings. Yeah, a lot of rumblings (laughs) right now. But that's what money and negotiations will produce for you, rumblings. And so uh, you have been... uh, the, the prospects of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 combining again and form another super yeah. conference. So that, that's the mode that we're in right now. Uh, these, these institutions, they want to go to the super conferences, obviously for the big media rights deals that are out there. The NFL um, laid the pathway really mm-hmm. for the fortunes for college football. You're, you're talking about a billion dollars a year, but here's where it gets exciting for from a betting standpoint. Uh, we're going to have the matchups that we want. Like, if you look at Alabama's schedule, they got Utah State (laughs) on there, right? Louisiana Monroe on there, right? But in a matter of years, 2024, 2025, 2026, that schedule's not going to look like that. It's going to look like, you know Alabama, Texas, and then the next week Alabama, Texas AM, and and then the next week Alabama, Auburn, whoever, but as a better, that gets very, very exciting to me. Same thing with the Big Ten, and we'll see what happens with the Big 12 as well as the Pac-12. Well, and it's funny you mention that, too, because, again,
4: like we say, there's not the immediate betting impact, but I think long-term, the one thing that could really change, especially from the futures perspective, from mm-hmm. the win total markets, how we look at this stuff, if it ends up being this kind of proposed Power 2 model that everybody is sort of throwing out there where you could get 16 teams a piece between the Big 10 and the sec and a right. lot of this would have to determine uh, it would kind of depend on does notre dame who has kind of rejected all sorts of the you know they've they have they've had the offers there in the past right. and they've they've felt like their brand as an independent institution is more powerful than a conference affiliation but if notre dame were to go to the big 10 if a team like like if the clemson and the fsu's of the world mm-hmm. which again those are kind of rumored could potentially leapfrog from the acc to the sec you could essentially have a, a credible system where those two conferences themselves could basically play their own, like, eight team tournament right. for presumably the national championship the way this has been laid out, if that were to happen, it could start as soon as 2025. If this stuff all comes together as soon as you know things might happen. So you would think, I mean, if all of a sudden you've got a, you know, the final four out of So like the top four teams from each, each of the 16 team, mm-hmm. those two conferences, that makes it so much different where it's no longer a, all right, you can maybe get away with one loss max, and that's it. Right. And wouldn't you think that would completely change the way, if you're talking about this is more like an NFL structure, it completely changes
5: the way you go about planning your, your whole season, right, from start to finish,
4: and that would certainly change the betting
5: market. Absolutely, because you're talking about now divisions or regions, which, however you want to phrase it, in college football, uh, within the landscape of these super conferences. So um, I think there's, there's your expansion for the college football playoff, too. So right now we have the same model in place until 2026. Uh, after 2026, we could see an expansion for the college football playoff, which everybody wants. I mean, that's going to be more uh, lucrative for a lot of schools in a lot of situations. The one caveat with Notre Dame, though, Ben, is they've been able to survive as an independent because they had to deal with NBC. Like, BYU went mm-hmm. independent because they had the BYU network. Texas Longhorns, they wanted to go independent, but they couldn't because of the Longhorn network, even though they stayed inside the Big 12. Uh Basically, NBC Network is Notre Dame Network. So, if NBC gets involved with the Super Conference, though, from a media rights standpoint, I think Notre Dame is going to be compelled to join a conference, which uh, that I think would be advantageous for them to do so.
4: Yeah, and that's that's kind of the last question I have for you on this, because it's like, what, <laughs> right? Like does, like, does Notre Dame actually do this? They've pushed back for so long. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen you've seen the rumors too that. Big 10 might, in, they might entice Stanford to join as well, right. because that would give another natural rival of Notre Dame's. And if you had that, you'd have Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Stanford, and USC as teams, Notre Dame basically plays every year already. Right. And that's now almost half the conference. So, like, does that actually happen? That's kind of the question now. Man, I will tell Dame. you, how
5: cool would that be from a betting standpoint? To go back oh. to my national championship year, our non-conference schedule, Ben, was Tennessee, Stanford, Illinois, Texas, and Washington before we even got into the Big 8 so that's when college football to me was at its finest when you're, you're really challenging yourselves with a non-conference schedule is exciting for the fans and it's exciting for college football.
4: I think you had another game that year, your national championship season in uh, Columbia, Missouri that uh, <laughs> ended in a we very want to interesting, talk about that <laughs> interesting Every time Mike and I do a show together right? as a university, of Missouri alumni got to talk about the fifth down. Do you want to talk about I, it? Not really. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I, I don't need, we don't need to. That, that's okay. It's a fascinating discussion. We could yes. probably do an entire show on it, but you know, we do want to talk some betting stuff. So, but you are the perfect guy to at least give me sure. insight. here. Absolutely. Thank you for trying to unpretzel un- my brain there. for. You're minutes. welcome. <laughs> we need it. That's, that's, that's kind of what we do on the show. We have a lot more to discuss here on the Lombardi line. We'll talk some early day baseball. We've got a big slate today. Bunch of games starting here in the next couple of hours. That is next as we're just underway on the Lombardi line.
1: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
3: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. Seventy-five percent of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford.
1: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person.
3: Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Back
4: in on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Ben Wilson joined by Mike Pritchard on the desk from our South Point Sportsbook studio. Big show on tap for you today, including a lot of day baseball. Mike, and mm-hmm. you you come back from vacation yesterday, you just dive right back in. You go Mariners, little going straight for the Dogs on the road, and right. Logan Gilbert got, got it done for you. Last he, night. Did.
5: That? he did. He uh, did. You know, baseball. Uh, for people that don't know, I have a portfolio, and I mm. learned this from betting NFL last year in the playoffs, and. Just being focused on about ten teams, uh, and with that focus and understanding the culture, understanding the psyche of that team—at least from a player standpoint, my standpoint—has uh, helped me, you know. And and finding spots. And so the formula that I used yesterday was Gilbert uh, having a decent season for the Mariners, a uh, really good season, really. Uh, but the Mariners with momentum uh, and supporting their pitching, their the rotation. Uh, and so I'm thinking, Gilbert. Okay, first time facing or the Padres' first time seeing this guy, uh, that's going to slow up a slumping team as well. And so the Padres had been slumping a little bit. Yep. Uh, and sure enough, 62, you get that run support, and the, you ride that momentum, and the Mariners came through for me right there. It was plus 115 uh, from a dog situation. Yeah. It ticked up against me, uh, but I still felt good about the play. Doesn't matter. Cash the cash dog that's ticket. Right. Logan, that's you're
4: right. ten 10-3, 261 ERA now I- 30 to one to win this. He's probably not going to win the AL seven, but it's yeah. been a very, very nice year uh, for Logan Gilbert. And it's a fascinating strategy you employ because, and and you're focusing too. It's not just, you know, it's not just situations to bet on. It can be bet against mm-hmm. and teams who follow their teams every single day, hundred, all 162 games. They can tell you when a team is, they just don't look good and they're not in a good rhythm at the plate on the mound, whatever it is, right. and you can, you can kind of go against them. So you clearly. You clearly found something here. Well, oh, absolutely, and
5: and so we're nearing the break too, and you know there's. Uh there's a fatigue factor mentally as you know as a player okay we got a break coming up we got the all-star break coming up and okay we got a double digit lead within our division we're good or you know we're down 26 and a half games we're bad and so okay am i going to get traded all these things from a player's perspective i mean that's starting to come into play here uh as we have the break and then certainly the trades start to ramp up too in major league baseball so those are just interesting spots with my portfolio that i'm looking yeah. to exploit it's great I mean, you played what 17 games a year in the NFL, and <laughs> you're talking 160. A little, little bit different, slightly. A little different, a little apples, di- a lot different. Just a little
4: apples door. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Could you
5: imagine? Them. I can't imagine the fatigue factor right now for Major League Baseball
4: players. And we're we're, we're a couple weeks out from the All Star break. You right. have to, and we've seen. I mean, the the Blue Jays go to Oakland and have just been trounced against mm-hmm. this horrific team back to back nights. It, it's it's kind of things like that that happen. A couple notes though from last night that were really interesting. It was the return of the Max. Max Scherzer comes back off the IL and was absolutely dominant six innings. Shutout baseball only gives up two hits. Strikes out 11 for the New York Mets. They lose anyway. Nick Lodolo, the top, one of the top prospects there for the Reds, uh, who had been injured as well since April. He came off the 60-day IL and was equally masterful. Reds win at 1-0 is a pretty big dog. You see there $1.87 at uh, the South Point, where we use our, our numbers from last night. That was big. And what else was big? Sandy Alcantara, whose numbers just keep getting shorter and shorter for NL Cy Young. He goes eight strong last night. Two hits. 10 strikeouts, and uh, you look at Alcantara. I had this pulled up. He has now eight different outings this season of at least eight innings pitched. Nobody else has more than three, Mike. Mm-hmm. And that, that those eight innings, that's more
5: than anybody had in the entire
4: 2021 season.
5: Yeah. That, that's, we're, it's July 6th. That's nuts. It really is crazy. And to think Jeter quit on him. I mean, I mean, you think about no, Alcantara. though, was a phenomenal player. Cardinals um, quit on Alcantara, too. Sure. They, they dealt him to uh, Miami. Yeah. yeah. Remember Marlins? I mean, they had the pitching way back in the day. uh Dontrell. Willis, Uh, Willis, I mean, I I saw him play against the Cubs, pitch against the Cubs, and uh, you know the Marlins have been like that. Tampa Bay has been like that, right? But Alcantara is amazing. Like you're looking at the NL Cy Young futures right now, plus 160. I I don't want to get nuts here. I mean, the Mariners are 10 back. Uh, The Mets, I mean, they're going to get stronger with uh, Degrom and certainly Scherzer, and and, I mean the entire rotation really. But the Braves are are flexing too. Uh, Anything crazy though happening with from a trade standpoint, right? Yeah, I. I don't see. I mean, without Contreras now, he is your yeah. most valuable asset, and right. it's
4: the Marlins team that, with the expanded postseason and the wild card, there are a few games out right now. That it'll be interesting to see what they do because you're right. They've traditionally been a all right. Let's plump up our our deep. Vast array of pitching and mm-hmm. then sell it off for you know and and, and make a lot of profit from it, uh, but with Alcantara, at least with the Cy Young, when you're handicapping this stuff, it's right. a lot easier because the the team success kind of goes out the window. I mean, Jacob Degrom won this award at like a nine and ten record, so mm-hmm. it it doesn't really matter as much the team. It's more the numbers. And Alcantara, we saw his number tick down. It was plus one seventy five last night, down now down to a dollar sixty at least at MGM. It's a great example, though, of I mean, you could lose every start, but if you're pitching the way he is and right. if their bullpen almost blew it for him last night, the night, they hung on to win two, one against the angels. You can still win it. And so like he's got to be, he's got to be the winner right now. At the same time, it's hard to, you know, we saw last year, mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom was minus 500 at this point last year. Of course he gets injured, doesn't pitch again. And he's still, uh, he still hasn't pitched right. since then. So that's always the risk when you start looking at guys, this price, this shortly, but there's a big difference between laying $5 and plus 160, uh, even uh, at this yeah. point. Yeah, a
5: huge so. difference. I mean, just looking at the names on there, I mean, Scherzer is 40 to 1 now, right? Uh, but, you know, it gets interesting for the NL Cy Young, though. Uh, Corbin Burns, uh, I think Milwaukee, uh, you, they feel like they're underachieving to me, uh, even though they probably aren't. Uh, and, you know, you're in first place by three games. The Cardinals are right there, too, though. But, uh, you know, Max Fried, uh, he's starting to emerge. What is he, 8 and 2? Max, yeah, and He's Max Freed, two, it, yeah.
4: hit, like his numbers compared to, mm. especially Joe Musgrove,
5: who's five right. to one, they're pretty
4: much the same. We had, we had this conversation on a primetime action last night I did with Matt Brown, because mm. we were thinking, all right, if you're coming into this market from scratch, you don't have anything. It's hard to say, take a plus 160 on Alcantara. Max Freed, you can find in the 13 to one range in the market, 11 to one at BetMGM. That's got to be the guy. I think so. Yeah, He's he's been an absolute quality start machine. Twelve of his last fourteen starts have been quality starts, goes deep basically every every single time. And the numbers, I mean the advanced metrics also indicate a guy with a sub three ERA has no sign of regression, which is very, very rare to see. Right. I mean it's it's just it's simply tough. I mean, Logan Gilbert is having a great year. I mean, he's, you know, uh, expected ERA of 409 mm-hmm. and an ERA of 261. That just happens when you when you get a lot of variance on your side. So right. for a guy to be that good and have no signs of regression, that's that's got to catch your eye. So that would th- be, be the one guy I'd look at. Right, right
5: absolutely. I mean, he's 11-1 on the board right there. But then you think about Atlanta, the narrative there is with them too. I mean, the streak that they went on, uh, Max Fried leading the way uh, too with the phenomenal performances right there. I mean, I, I, I want to incorporate narratives too. Uh, When you're thinking about Cy Young award winners or any award winners uh, at the end of the season, the narrative has to be there. You know, the narrative has no to question. be a strong one, too, uh, as well as the performance right there. And so I, I think Freed has a tremendous opportunity. Again, 11-1 uh, from an NL Cy Young standpoint. Yeah, 266 ERA for Freed, 8-2, yep. and two, but his fielding independent pitching is just 2-5-2. Yeah, it's, it's, it's,
4: it's, it could actually be even lower right. if you argue it that way. Uh, there is one game coming up at the top of the hour. We'll have our full uh, MLB deep dive breakdown. So get all the games on the card, figure out any value we like a little bit later in the show. But coming up, it's about 40 minutes, and uh, boy, Mike, the Guardians picked up pretty bad time to just go in the tank. You're facing the Detroit tigers. You've, you've gotten within two and a half, three mm. games of the division lead. You had a couple of crazy walk-off wins last week against the twins. We just started to maybe buy into this guardians team. And then uh, the last two days happened. You, you lose a <laughs> double head. You get swept in a double header on July 4th, lose last night. in just, I mean, it was an absolute blowout fashion. You send Shane Bieber to the mound today as a $1.56 favorite. Yeah. So this should be the classic, like, all right, here, here's your stopper, 316 ERA and, and 15 starts on the mound. It's a classic case, though, of, as we just talked about, these are, these are really high variance times for a lot of these good teams struggling to, to keep their level of play up heading into the all-star break. Do you have enough, would you have enough trust in the Guardians to lay a price given how awful they have looked the last half week here?
5: Well, first of all, none of these teams – neither one of these two teams is in the portfolio. So For good reason. I mean, <laughs> the Guardians tease you. They did, yeah. uh, certainly. But uh, just looking at the numbers, 7.5 to a half total, Ben. Uh, the unders do up minus 125. I mean, does that favor uh, Bieber in this situation uh, on the mound, on the bump for the Guardians, right, minus 156? Because you think uh, this, is a, this is a situation where if you're the Guardians, you do not want a four-game sweep uh, on your resume or on, on your ledger, if you will. Uh, and they're, they're facing that right there. I mean, I, I think from a pride standpoint, you have something, some fight, uh, and a chance, too, to remain competitive. I mean, you proved early on that you can be competitive within the division. Uh, do not get swept by Detroit Tigers in a four-game series right here. So you, you got Bieber, that guy, the caliber of him on, on the mound. You have to support him. So the numbers suggest that the Guardians could prevail in this. I wouldn't touch the, the run line. Uh, but if you are inclined, minus 156 uh, Looks attractive.
4: Yeah. If I I was wanting to get some early action and that is the, I'm looking at the market. That's the best number. It's taking some money up as high as a dollar 67. But I mean, if again, you want to, you know, you just because of recent form, you still want to look at the overall picture, right? Mm -hmm. Tigers 72 WRC plus against righties. That Mm -hmm. is last in the league. And I mean, Bieber's a guy who's been really solid in his advanced numbers. Uh, show he's you know like I mean with it we talk about 316 ERA but a, a 283 fielding independent pitching right. 322 XFIP he just hasn't had much run support three and four record so far it's one I want to, I, I want to I really want to take <laughs> I, like I just can't get there with a team who gotcha. basically fatten themselves up on by beating up on all these bad teams yeah. early in the year and now it's kind of coming back to the
5: middle here. guardians oh. hitting uh, 174 in their last three games too that's not. A, that's last time I checked. No. That's not a. It's yeah. not a recipe for <laughs> success. I don't, know. I don't know about you. I, I think there's some fight in them, though. You think there's some I fight? I think on. so. But I'm not gonna bet it. <laughs> Look, there are 162 not in the portfolio. games. There's a
4: lot of ga- There are a lot of games on the card. We're not gonna bet it. But I would. We'll give it the classic Vison host names. There you go. Guardians minus one. There you go. today. <laughs> up next, Scottish Open gets underway tomorrow. Big lead up to the Open Championship. We'll discuss that with Stephen Hennessy from Golf Digest next here on the Lombardi Line. special is here for only $19. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of this month. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets including Adam Burke on Major League Baseball, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. That is VEASAN.com summer where you can sign up. We're back on the Lombardi line presented by Bet M G M. You know, one thing they didn't mention, Mike Pritchard in that read was the tennis which is going on right now. Wimbledon, well, quick update here before we go out to Stephen Hennessy talk some golf as uh, so we're going across the pond in a couple different ways to the uh, the All-England Club there in London, where Taylor Fritz, the 11-seeded American, two-set-to-one lead on Rafael Nadal, was not a massive underdog. People casually might think, oh, well, this guy, Taylor Fritz, he has to be a huge underdog to Nadal. But he was only about a 220 uh, dog today. He's up two sets to one. Nadal is up a break, though, in the fourth set. I'm seeing Nadal plus 140 live uh, as that this match appears to be destined for five sets. But we could have Mike Gale. an instant classic right. on our hands. Could have one. Let's track that one. Well, I know you. Yeah. You're locked in now. All I had to do. I is am in. <laughs> plus 140 on the doll, one of the greats, and you're just like, wait. Okay, we're, we're going to watch. We might have some more some tennis picks of later on in the show when we do our, our MLB breakdowns. But let us go out to Stephen Hennessy, who you see, uh, you, we watch, uh, read his work, I should say, in uh, in Golf Digest, where he is the deputy managing editor. Follow him on the Twitter machine at s underscore Hennessy GD, and also host of the B Right Pod. I'm uh, very jealous of you this week, Stephen, because you had Marty Fish talking tennis, uh, one of the great former American tennis players, who also is basically a scratch golfer. Again, I'm very jealous of, of guys like that. It's, it's unfair. Mike, but he was just, uh, he was just on your podcast. So I'm sure that uh, that had to have been a lot of fun, right?
2: It was a lot of fun. I mean, the guy's a plus three uh, oh. handicap. He plays out at Bel Air in LA and yeah, he's the co-favorite this week out in Lake Tahoe and telling a bunch of good stories about playing golf with Steph Curry. Apparently they play golf every Wednesday uh, him and Steph Curry. So um, yeah, it, it's it's very good to
4: be Marty Fish. I think. Oh, it, it is it is very right. good indeed to be Marty. I, yeah, I know. Even Pritch, is, like Pritch, you know, plays in the NFL, mm-hmm. but I know your golf game. Your golf game, you're you're gonna get it. You'll be at a plus three like in six months.
5: You'll, you'll get it. <laughs> I mean, for what the front nine? that's my goal. That's how
4: we view plus three, yeah. not not
5: exactly the uh, the, <laughs> the other sure.
4: way. Um, so, Stephen, we're across the pond right now for for Wimbledon. We've got the Open Championship next week. Let's talk Scottish Open though, because for a lot of casual golf fans, mostly the only across the pond type of event they're really looking at most years is this event because of all the big names playing in it, leading into the Open Championship. Uh, We have seen a number of guys incredibly uh, hot here over the last couple of weeks. Andrew Shoffley kind of leading that list where he wins the Travelers. He wins the prestigious uh, Pro-Am that was just held uh, nearby there this week. And he's a guy who was, the last time he finished outside the top 20, was at the Masters in April. So starting with the X-Man, how do you value his chances? He's certainly among the favorites there on the odds board this week at the Scottish Open.
2: Yeah, you know, Xander is someone who he tends to ride these momentum waves. And so, um, you know, I'm interested to see how he does because he's not someone who's known for being a good, I think, golf-type player. He doesn't have a great record over at the Open. And, you know, even though he grew up out in San Diego, you know, playing courses like Torrey Pines all the time, you know, he has a really high ball flight. And so, you know, obviously he won that little two-day pro-am. Um, it just speaks to how good he's playing. But I think this is a crucial week. For me to see how he's playing and whether
4: or not I'm going to invest in he's we're going to uh, reset there yeah. with uh, Stephen in a second. But it makes a good point, right? It, it, and this is what is so fascinating about, like th- this two-week stretch in particular, where. It's like we kind of talked about this in, in the Wimbledon handicapping, where mm-hmm. when you play you know, grass court tennis, it is so much different than hard than clay, and so you ha- the handicapping is very, very different. The numbers you're using are very, are much more narrower. Sort of the same thing for for these two weeks, where you go to the lynx type courses and you want guys with pedigree, guys, experience who have played Lynx golf right. and who know their way around the course, and that's what makes these couple weeks so so fascinating, at what, least to me. It
5: really does, Ben. I mean, I think from a betting standpoint, here's what I'm focusing in on. Uh, the experience factor around links courses like, okay, these guys top players in the world here at Scottish and okay, they're going to use this as a tune-up, but then how competitive is this tune-up going to be right Uh, leading into the open. Right. Uh, So that's what I'm considering Stephen. I mean uh, when you factor in the field here uh, and how competitive this field is, I know it could be a tune-up, but then also this tune-up can turn into an entirely different environment as these golfers are trying to figure out the links courses.
2: Oh, totally. Um, you know, we got 14 of the top 15 guys here. This this is a very competitive event. This is one of the biggest uh, tournaments, non-majors of the year. You know, it, it's definitely a tune-up for a lot of these guys, but, um, you know, a lot of money at stake. And the interesting thing, too, you know, we got all these guys over from the Live Tour, Playing with the PGA Tour guys. This might be the only, really the only time that happens uh, the rest of the year, uh, you know, since the major and next week is the last major of the year. So there's a lot of interesting factors this week, but I think, um, you know, guys are going to be looking for a win. Um, This is a huge opportunity for world ranking points, especially those LIB guys. Um, Might be the last chance for them to get world ranking points for a long time
4: again Stephen Hennessy back with us here on uh, the lombardi line so when you look at this course and and the the general thought here steven is it's, it's a little bit of certainly not the toughest links test however there are a lot of uh, you know there, there are going to be some different things that will benefit uh, individual golfers here what did you land on as far as uh, your emphases this week as far as strengths uh, strengths for certain golfers and uh, which guys are kind of at the top of your board as far as your betting card for this week
2: Yeah, it's an interesting course. It's right next to Mirfield, which, you know, obviously most people know is one of the most historic links. But this is, you know, a course that was built in the mid-2000s by Tom Doak. It's kind of like an Americanized length course. There's a few holes out by the water, but it was actually built on, like, an old forest. So, um, you know, it's kind of a decent test for these guys for next week, only if the wind blows, though. Otherwise, I think these guys are going to go pretty low. Um, I think distance is going to be really important. This week, there are some longer holes, some longer part fours. Um, I'm actually taking a shot on John Rahm. I haven't been on John Rahm in a long time. He's a co favorite, 12 to 1. Um, you know, we're finally getting at least fair odds on John Rahm. Uh, he, he's just playing a lot better golf. He played really well at the U.S. Open, had that disappointing Sunday, but you know, I liked what I saw from his game um, kind of all around. And I, I think his lower ball flight in these types of conditions, it's going to get windy on the weekend, it looks like. I, I think that favors John Rahm, so I, I'm on him. Um, and then I think Scotty Scheffler has just been so consistent. I think a top 10 bet on him. He's, pro- he's kind of had, like, his B game, if you ask him. He, he hasn't been clicking on all cylinders, but he's still racking up top 10 finishes. He actually shot a 63 here uh, last year. It was the low round of the tournament. Um, I, I think Chapler is, is pretty much a lock for a top ten. these days, when you're getting about plus 170, um, so I like that and a, a few other outrights. Uh, Jordan Speeds about 33 to one. This kind of course, speeds could really excel on creativity, shaping his shots. Uh, I think he's someone who could really use another win. Um, he obviously won at Harbour Town, but you know another win could, could do wonders for him. The state of his game. And Colin Morikawa, too, um, didn't have a good finish here last year, but obviously won the Open Championship the next week. And I, I think he just figured out how to play on these links courses that week. And you're finding him at 30 to 1. My new rule, guys, if Colin Morikawa is 30 to 1, it's an auto bet. That, the guy is just that good. So um, those are my favorite outright.
5: Yeah, I mean, you factor in the par threes, too, could play in the favor for uh, Morikawa there yeah. that way. Uh, Steven, uh, real quick, in terms of. I guess longer shots here because I think the competitiveness of the field, and you just mentioned, what's at stake too. Uh, it's like uh, with this type of course. Uh, can you see a, a long? I mean, like a lottery ticket, long shot uh, prevailing and pre- perhaps coming out on the top in this tournament?
2: You know, we've had a few of those the past few years here, but I think the field's just too good. You know, yeah. I think you know I would look at guys maybe sixty to seventy to one, but probably no higher than that. Um, there. That being said, though, I do like one guy, Hao Tung Lee, who won over on the European tour. Uh, his last event is 130 to one. I, I think um, that's worth a shot. But other than that, I, I'm kind of concentrating a little lower. Um, Christian Bazain, is one of those guys. Finished second uh, last week on the John Deere, and you know I think this type of layout could also play to his strengths. He's about 60 to one or so. I do like his chances. And then the the last guy is uh, Lucas Herbert, who's a an Australian, but um, has had great history here at the Scottish Open. He's actually first in strokes game total on this course the last three years. You can find him at about 60-1. to 1. So uh, definitely a few longer shots worth sprinkling on.
4: Again, Stephen Hennessy, our guest from Golf Digest. You follow him on Twitter, S underscore Hennessey GD. Stephen, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by. I know it's going to be a couple of crazy weeks. I'm sure we'll have you on again next week to handicap the Open Championship. So enjoy this week uh, week of golf. It should be a fun stretch there across the pond.
2: Awesome, guys! Thanks so much. Absolutely,
4: Stephen Hennessy always always so kind with his with his time to join us. uh, As wow, seeing uh, we 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 have a final. Nick Kyrgios has beaten Christian Jarin, the Chilean clay quarter. As Mike looking at me like, who? who, (laughs) What are these names? Why do they matter?
5: Nick Kyrgios into uh, into the semifinals of Wimbledon. Right. So we're getting live Wimbledon reaction from Ben Wilson, kind of like what we did with uh, yeah. There will not be any Across scre- the pond. There won't Football. be any.
4: There won't be any. Scre- Don't worry. There's not going to be screaming. You can't again.
5: scream with tennis on. You can't do there's that. There's no
4: umpire. There's well, there are umpires, but there's no like. There's no Tony Correnti. Mm-hmm. He's not officiating <laughs> <a fish laughs> okay. tennis. Okay, I can't yell that way. Right, but Nick Kyrgios is through to these semifinals. You can't really
5: express yourself watching tennis Yeah, though. that's a
4: good. You gotta. You gotta have. You know. You gotta be class. Mm-hmm. You gotta really, really hone it in. All right, we're gonna go back to the NFL. Talk some dual forecasts next.
1: 6 p.m. book an exclusive reservation with resi global dining access right this way because the american express platinum card offers access to the centurion lounge must see live events and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpresscom with amex terms apply
3: i'm dr sanjay gupta cnn's chief medical correspondent and this is chasing life
4: a loss into a win with the King of Sportsbooks. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any Major League Baseball game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in free bets up to $25. Log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season long. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion then place a one-game parlay wager with four legs or more On any Major League Baseball game, if you miss only one leg on your wager, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older than wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada, New York, or Washington, D.C. As we're back on the Lombardi line with our producer behind the glass, Matt Santos. Thanks to the whole crew, Matt Hicks, our technical director, Kevin, Jeff, all in the house here. Mike Pritchard, who you can follow at Pritchard on the Twitter machine. I'm Ben Wilson. Talking a little NFL. We've got the NFL Network on, by the way, Pritch, and They have, uh, I know, your buddy Warren Moon's yeah. uh, recurring nightmare, the 92 AFC wildcard game, Oilers-Bills, the Frank Reich game. So
5: I'm sure that's uh, it's got to it's, be. It's actually vivid to me because... In Atlanta, we ran the exact same offense. And we were talking about this during the break. As I watched this, As Houston, again, it's like I'm watching tape or film. That's wild. And I'm locating and identifying each and every play. Okay, where is Houston going wrong? What's going on? What's, what's happening? And why can't they execute? So, uh it's vivid to me. You know, Warren, this is obviously – a sore subject for him because mm-hmm. I mean, legitimately, this was their greatest chance to get to a Super Bowl. I think with that '92 squad uh, that he had there in Houston, 30 years ago. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah.
4: So note, note to self: don't leave NFL Network on when old games <laughs> from the early '90s are on, because Mike Mike Pritchard will then just he'll be locked in. But you know. I yeah. like to watch games from the early 90s, too, because that, I'm a weird person that way. Mm-hmm. You, well, it's
5: normal for you because you're a former player. Actually, you can learn something as a better because football is now doing what we did back yeah. in the 90s. I mean, you think yeah, about the spread point. offenses, the run and shoot. You're still seeing that now with the three wide receivers, uh, the K-Gun uh, with Buffalo. Now you're seeing that with three wide receivers, the, the that personnel package So. still uh, – football mimics itself right and it's just all cyclical it really is it really is and so i think it's a better if you're trying to understand football today uh they're throwing in the read option stuff but that's basically option football and uh, to be honest with you, Ben, with the run and shoot, we did have an option element with that, too. We didn't call it read option. Uh, we just had option elements within the offense, though. I wonder what the live betting was like when the Bills were down 35-3. That <laughs> had to
4: have been pretty ridiculous. Right. We uh, Yesterday on the show, when Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds were here, we talked some dual forecasting for the AFC divisions. We're going to do the same exercise today, talking NFC. Is there value in these markets? That's kind of the question we're looking to unearth, or uh, are there smarter wagers to make? If you like, say, Team X versus Team Y here. So as we take a look at these odds, we'll start NFC East, Mike, and these. So these are set up. Who will finish one-two? That is the uh, the dual forecast setup here. So uh, if we're going one-two in the division, Cowboys, Eagles, to be your uh, your top two teams. Mm-hmm. That is plus one ten. Cowboys, Washington Commanders, plus three seventy-five. Cowboys, Giants, five to one, and then if you go, if you have the Eagles, Commanders, six to one. Uh, Eagles, Giants, plus seven fifty in your long shot. The Giants uh, and the Commanders at twenty to one. So are you are you first? Uh, and you kind of have to start with the top two in all right. these divisions, and basically determine. Okay, do you believe one of these teams will disappoint? And that's kind of the question you have to ask with all these, and you go from there. So between Dallas and Philadelphia, are you of the mindset that one of these two are are going to be disappointments relative to their preseason expectations here?
5: No, not not even with injuries. I mean, I'm factoring injuries in, into the equation too. I mean, I, I think the Cowboys and Eagles are so far superior than where the commanders are right now. And even the Giants, you know, from a to- complete rebuild, a front office uh, to the coaching staff, I mean, we'll see about the quarterback and how he responds uh, to some new coaching uh, or different coaching. But, I, I, you know, the Cowboys' continuity, uh, and, and you've got Dak Prescott. Okay, you got the Eagles' continuity, uh, and the Eagles have improved themselves. Uh, the Eagles offensively, uh, the best uh, red zone offense, if you will, uh, I believe mm-hmm. uh, from a year ago in terms of on the ground, too. I mean, Jalen Hurts, you incorporate him and in what they do with the running game as well as passing it. They have six eligibles on offense. Uh, that's always dangerous. Uh, Shane Steichen, the, the offense coordinator, is doing a fine job coordinating that style of offense. And then you got the Cowboys, where the best offense in the league last year. And so you don't have Amari Cooper, which I think is going to empower some of those younger players on that roster too. But you still have Dak. I I think you know Zeke. uh, With the firepower that the Cowboys defensively and offensively offensively have, uh, I mean it's hard to see them disappointing even with injuries uh, yeah. factored in. And thinking, considering, too, so dual forecasts. these
4: are just to finish top two. Mm-hmm. It could be either order. There are also these straight forecasts, which you can kind of – like if you like one of these, go – and BetMGM Jim has all these listed uh, you know, in their app. Just go kind of compare and contrast, see which ones you prefer. If you think it's Cowboys 1, Eagles 2, that's plus 275. If you think Eagles 1, Cowboys 2, it's plus 325. But if you're making the point that, that you are making, Mike, and you're thinking – Okay, these two are pretty clearly on a different level than the other two. Right. Well, then you take you know you take out the who finishes above the other out of play there, and you're just taking a plus one ten. So that's right. that's kind of what you're thinking here.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually looked at the fact that okay, should I look at the Cowboys at plus one twenty to win a division separately, and then the Eagles at plus one eighty five separately, like two different tickets. I mean, just thinking about it that way too. But you can't go wrong, in my opinion, plus one ten. Uh, with this forecast here, Cowboys Eagles. Okay, that is that is number one of three of. Uh... So several, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about,
4: real yep. so we'll just go rapid fire. So NFC North, and this is one too, where instead of asking ourselves, do we think either the top two will disappoint? Probably where you start on this one is, do you think there's any way the lions or the bears could find a way to make a big leap forward? Cause they're both nine to one to win the division, both expected yeah. to be massive rebuilds once again this year. And as a result, this is the most heavily juiced dual forecast, Packers Vikings minus minus one forty-five to finish one, two in some sort of combo. Is there is there a world, Pritch, in which you see either Chicago or Detroit finishing in the top two in this division?
5: No, not even a parallel universe, then. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, the Bears, look, uh, they they might be trading Quinn. I mean, who knows what happens here uh, as well as they, as they continue to strip that thing down. I'll give the Lions credit, though. I, I thought the Lions put up a fight last year. I think Campbell has got and received a buy-in. Uh, But they're just not there yet from a talent standpoint, consistency standpoint, not to the level where the Packers are going to be. And even with the Vikings, with a brand new head coach, you know, in that situation, I think Zim uh, did a horrible job, certainly lost the locker room. Uh, I think, you know, McConnell has a chance to uh, get that locker room, and it's got some young players, uh, Jefferson in particular, that's just spectacular right there, too. So uh, I think Vikings will be improved defensively, uh, a better effort as well. So, yeah, there's there's no universe out there in which I would go outside of the Packers-Vikings combo. Not not
4: even a a universe. And we know how crazy the NFL is. You know better than just about anybody. And when you're saying that, it's like, okay, let's – it's not, we don't need to go further. <laughs> well, you know, you
5: have the Packers and you have Aaron Rodgers engaged now in offseason. Yeah. Remember last year, he didn't even go to the offseason and coast it to MVP, but you had so many of the same parts. But now that you have different parts and Rodgers is engaged in, in those young guys, I mean, I think that bodes well for the Packers. When you have an engaged Aaron Rodgers like that, a motivated player to his caliber, uh, that can transcend in, into something uh, pretty special. I mean, we've seen so many times in you know in,
4: under that regime when the mm-hmm. expectations are either not low because I mean the win totals again high in their favor to win right. the division, but when expect when there is kind of sour notes on the outside around that franchise we have seen time and again that they have overperformed mm-hmm. and you know exceeded expectations whereas when everything is expected of them you sometimes see the the struggle with uh, with a team like that and again injuries play a big role in that so it's a good point you make uh, NFC south is kind of the same way we'll, we'll go we'll skip right over to NFC west because this okay. is probably the most fascinating one right where it's it's Rams Niners uh, Cardinals and then Seahawks so Seahawks the, the one team perceived to be in a rebuild Cardinals are a very interesting, uh, kind of a polarizing team this offseason. And as far as the favorites here, it's Rams, Niners to go in the top two, plus 125. Uh, it, a rightful favorite there. And then it's a bunch of Cardinals, either, you know, Cardinals, Rams, Cards, Niners. And it, I guess it becomes of a question for you, at least. Cardinals, are you are you uh, on Team Kyler this
5: year, or are, oh, you, or are you in fade Arizona operation? And point? no, DeAndre Hopkins to begin the season, too. Six-game yeah, suspension. It, yeah. Right, right. So it, it gets interesting here. Kyler is playing for a contract. Uh, he's trying to leverage himself right now, too. Uh, from a betting standpoint, I don't know if I can back that. Okay, so I'm trying to come to grips in my mind. Lance... As a starter with the 49ers in that roster versus Kyler Murray playing for a contract. I mean, the Rams, I think the Rams, are, it's certainly got to have them in your combo. Uh, but is it the 49ers or the Cardinals? It's not going to be the Seahawks and Drew Locke. Not, definitely not going to be that. what makes you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Drew Locke. Well, he's a Mizzou guy. That's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe one or two. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, Kyler, there, there's something to that uh, effect to me from a betting standpoint. Uh, mm-hmm. Do I back – Kyler or do I back Kyle Shanahan and his play calling ability with Lance? That's, no, it is interesting. Yeah, I,
4: yeah it's uh, we're, I feel like we're making, a, and again, this is kind of what we do in the offseason, right? Mm-hmm. We, we take leaps and make a lot of assumptions Feels like we're doing a lot of that with San Francisco this offseason, based, just
5: based on the infrastructure they have. It's a good roster, but then the Debo uh, Samuel uh, aspect of it, too. So, I mean, there's there's some rumblings and movement right there that kind of makes you uneasy uh, betting the NFC West right now. Don't worry, though. We have 65 days
4: till, till kickoff. <laughs> right. We're going to have a lot more of these conversations here over the next couple of months. On the other side, hour number two of the Lombardi line will break down today's Major League Baseball card. Talk a little UFC in hour number two with Lufa Nicaro. That is all still to come here on v